0: Hi, I'm Victor Milligan.
1: And I'm Jennifer Isabella.
0: Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. We have two guests with us today, Emily Collins and Rick Parris, senior analyst and principal analyst at Forrester, respectively, discussing the changing nature of customer loyalty. Welcome, Emily and Rick.
1: Hello, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Let,
0: let, me, let me start with the strategic premise, which is we've done research in our empowered customer work that says over 50% of the customers that we surveyed are restless, skilled at shifting spend, they're intolerant of poor experiences, and they're adventurous. They like to try new things. At the same time, the work that you guys have done shows that loyalty programs that are in, in some ways attempting to mitigate that very risk are really based upon some structures and mechanics that were put in place in the 1980s that feels at first blush like a significant mismatch.
1: It is. Um, so, In many ways, customers don't need to be loyal to companies anymore, and they act less loyal than ever before, but companies need customers to be more loyal than they ever have been before. But unfortunately, a lot of the tactics that they're using, typically through loyalty programs, are very much focused on that incremental transaction, sales results, uh, thinking more about the purchase behavior of a customer than what motivates them. And so what I like to say is that companies are very focused on driving behavioral loyalty, at the expense of establishing emotional loyalty.
0: You mean behavioral loyalty, meaning driving the next transaction?
1: Yeah, customers who act loyal. But if you only focus on customers who act loyal, then you've ignored the motivation and the context for why they continue to choose or don't choose you. Is that a short-term view versus a long-term view? Of the, very, the customer? Yeah. very. And, and companies are in a bind in that they have very short-term demands on the results. Especially in industries like retail, where there's a lot of retailers who are in turnaround situations, their CMO may only have an 18-month tenure, if that. So, you know, when you think about loyalty as a long-term strategy, there's not always a lot of patience and appetite to invest in that long-term. You have to show short-term returns while proving a long-term value. And that's really challenging.
0: So I'm going to raise a profile of this, this conversation to maybe the CEO is looking at their loyalty program and sort of both asking for it to provide strategic value to the company, but to your point, really driving sort of tactical month-over-month month performance, which is what's the next transaction the customer base will take. Does this start melding the relationship between the loyalty programs and a broader customer or customer experience strategy? Is this sort of where those those two
2: things will meet? Absolutely. And they must meet in order to drive real, meaningful, long-term customer loyalty Too often we find that uh, companies may have an interest in improving the customer experience and they may have a loyalty program, but they don't understand the relationship between their loyalty program uh, and the broader customer experience transformation initiative, right? Where the loyalty program is one tactic and it's an important tactic, but it has to be thought of in the context of the desire to create a broader customer experience. Otherwise, you get into a situation in in which – the customer loyalty program specifically may be uh, working against, or at the very least, not even contributing to the uh, broader customer experience transformation initiative.
1: If anything, it detracts from the experience. So, if you think about something like email, and every every company is sending email, it's cheap, it's the most effective channel, it's fast. But when you have a loyalty program in place, sometimes there's two email streams going, the regular emails and the loyalty emails. And not every company has the processes or the capacity to even reconcile those two things. So then you have a situation where you have a loyal customer who you may not need to contact as frequently is getting all of these emails and it creates a a bad experience where they feel like the company doesn't know them at all. They're providing them with all this information about them. They're allowing themselves to be tracked. They're raising their hand saying, I want you to know me and to recognize me and appreciate me. And then they're getting, you know, 16 emails a day with with 15 different offers.
0: It's interesting you said that, Emily. We did some work. This is within our CX index and looked at the industry benchmark in terms of what is their customer experience score and extent to which the customer themselves feels that the loyalty is rewarded. We saw a huge drop-off in, you know, retail banks, a 32-point drop-off between the industry benchmark. If you look at retailers, it's a 36-point drop-off. These are significant sort of indictments of loyalty, not creating that sense of the person who's in that program is, is actually being treated differently in any way, shape, or form.
1: When you think about loyalty as a two-way street, a lot of times programs are more about getting the customer to do one additional thing. Buy again, visit again, stay another time, um, swipe their card one more time. And rather than reaching out and saying, hey, we, re- we appreciate your loyalty, we appreciate your business, you're a valuable customer to us.
2: Rick, you wanted to add something earlier. Uh, Yeah, I've actually spoken to a few companies who think that multiple email streams are a good idea, uh, which is quite shocking actually, but it's part and parcel of of what we often see with companies in which they assume that creating a good customer experience requires more interaction. Uh, More does not necessarily equal better.
0: Well, in part, the strategic premise of loyalty is that I have a set of customers that are different and have a better value to me and I have a better value to them over time so that there's a cohort that forms. And I'll deliver services that are individualized, better, and suited to their personal needs.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But that's not actually what's taking place right now. It's much more of an email blast, much more of a sort of a mass market play.
1: Yeah, and to some organizations' credit, I talked to an insurer last year that said they're measuring customer lifetime value but they're also trying to build a lifetime value delivered to the customer and not in a hey we've given back 10%.
2: This is absolutely vital. This really speaks to the the importance of the emotional connection to creating a good customer experience. When you're trying to drive the emotional quotient of a customer experience, oftentimes these these very uh, mercenary seeming calculations can really get in the way. As we said earlier, certainly you have to drive both long-term loyalty and uh, you know, short-term results, but uh, trying to go after those short-term results in such a transactional way so frantically can uh, really militate against creating a deep emotional connection that spans uh, a long period of time with a customer.
0: Right. So Rick, let me add to that, which is if I'm a customer, I'm getting a set of emails to acquire my services, to acquire my money. That may be no different than the, the emails I'm getting to actually get to the next spend, the loyalty program. So if I'm looking at my email box, I can't tell the difference between someone who's valuing me and someone who's trying to acquire me.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I talk to lots of loyalty marketers and, and to to comp- C-level executives in organizations, and they they inherently, or at least in theory, understand that loyalty is important. But when you look at the budgets, that companies give us for acquisition versus retention. Acquisition far outweighs lo- the retention budgets. Um, when I talk to retailers, they tell me that loyalty is a margin killer for them. They view it as just another discount that they're providing. Uh, it's
2: interesting that you mentioned how some companies consider loyalty programs a, a margin killer uh, because our data actually shows that when companies provide a really uh, great and differentiated customer experience that actually drives customers' willingness to spend more. So companies that uh, create a great customer experience of which, as you say, you know, a, a properly structured loyalty program can be, can be part of, um, they can actually charge more uh, for their products and services rather than having to hand out discounts in order to drive transactions.
0: But I guess, Rick, wouldn't it be necessary for them to provide some differentiated experiences, some differentiated version of the product to, to drive
2: that kind of pricing? Uh, Yes. Well, is that companies that provide really high quality customer experiences that are not only good, but different some way from from their competitors have the greatest pricing advantage.
1: Programs are great because they give you an excuse to treat customers differently based on their value. What we've discussed so far is certainly an indictment of loyalty programs. Right. So what do executives have to think about? What's next for the program? Or maybe, I should say, a loyalty strategy more broadly. So programs themselves really haven't changed in thirty to thirty five years since they've been around. Yes, we have new technologies, it's more digital. We've, you know, by and large, gotten rid of the need for a plastic card. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mechanics are relatively unchanged. So the program itself is not the strategy, and the program must be treated as a way to demonstrate the brand promise and elevate the customer experience.
0: So if I think of the use of technology in that, so if if I'm going to elevate the role of this, and I think of it from the standpoint of artificial intelligence, does that mean that I'm going to start to understand what you prefer in terms of a loyalty program, you, Emily, versus different than Rick versus different than Jen?
1: Yes. The data you collect within your loyalty program is a super sample of your customers. Uh, Forrester's customer experience index data shows that members of programs tend to rate the customer experience quality more highly. They spend more. They're more likely to consider. They're more likely to recommend. Our data shows that they're more likely to download and use a brand's mobile application. So gathering that data, whether it's directly from their behavior, their interactions, their profile, or through voice of the customer surveys, focus groups, in-person That's the insight, that's what you can act on to impact experiences for all customers.
0: Rick, do you wanna jump in here in terms of your view of an expanded set of experiences that should be considered once you get past the wild garden?
2: What we see when we research companies that provide really exceptional customer experiences is that they don't just act like they care about customers and care about customer loyalty. They in their corporate DNA actually really do care about their customers. There is a real difference uh, there between the companies that uh, you know, through a series of data analytics and strategy sessions decide that it's a good strategy to put a face out there of caring about customers versus those companies that actually just really do.
0: Yeah, and returning back to one of the points you made, Emily, on, on that, which is the insurance company that actually now measures their value to their customers versus strictly looking at the world through customer lifetime value. i actually trying to understand what value am I driving to my customers that I've earned their trust, I've earned their loyalty?
1: And Rick, I, I really love that notion that there are just some companies that care more. To the same point, there are just some customers that care more about brands. And so, you know, as a, as a company, you need to understand where you fall on that spectrum. Do you just care about behavioral loyalty or do you actually care about your customer's loyalty?
0: So a lot of what's happening in customer experience is more of the experiences and more of the products themselves are becoming digital. And there's this concept of a connected product, meaning I'm not going to simply have the customer use the product and I'll find out some customer satisfaction score later. I'm actually going to create a, a complete system of engagement with the client through that product itself. Is that the combining factor of the product here?
1: In those situations where the value proposition is baked in to how consumers actually interact with and use the product, loyalty is more intrinsic than extrinsic. And what I mean by that is there's a contextual nature to the relationship that the customer builds with the product and the services that surround it. And so the value proposition is not just, if I do this, I will get this material thing. Right. There is actually a deeper motivation there. So in the fitness industry, it's not just, I'm going to let this company track my steps my activity so that they can send me product offers it's i'm going to let them do this because they are going to help me be healthier right it's the emotional connection that you're right. referring to before right it's all about that experience Yeah, it's almost like
0: the company has a vested interest and, in having the person become more healthy right or better And there's
1: athlete, an intrinsic reward to that as well
2: yeah and that's a really great example of one of the real differences between a customer-centric and an organization-centric company, so often we, we see companies say that they want to create better experiences, but what they really mean is, I want to create opportunities for me to target advertising at you more effectively.
1: What I also really like about this notion of loyalty as part of the value proposition inherent in the interaction you have with the customer or with the product or service is that it takes loyalty and reward away from just the buy phase. So rather than it being something that you're rewarding the customer every time they make a purchase or transact with you, the loyalty engagement and the interaction and the benefit of loyalty goes to whenever they ask you for help or they're using the product or they're engaging with Through you the as a brand. Through the whole life cycle. Through it's the up. whole life right. cycle. It's not just part of the buy phase.
0: And, and part of that is we, we discussed this idea that if you're using a product and you use the fitness example, which is that's one thing, but it also might be that these are your best customers. They're the ones that are most loyal to you, obviously which is they can help you design the next products. They can be part of beta testing. They can be part of co-creation. They can actually get involved in the development of your own business. They, if you make them a participant in your business, that's a very different relationship than just trying to drive the next transaction.
1: Right. It's, it becomes less about what you think you know about the customer and more about what you actually know about what they want, what they do, what they expect, who they are.
0: So one of the things you said earlier, Emily, was that the folks in the customer program, these are the folks have a vested interest in the company's success. And if I think of this from a lookalike standpoint is the experiences that they value are likely the experiences that everybody values. And the guidance that they give you in terms of what is the next product, what's the next best design, are likely to be great guidance for everybody. They can actually be great coaches for the company if mined correctly.
1: Yeah, that's correct. So. These customers who have raised their hands, who are potentially more engaged, have a higher value than other customers, you can start to tap into that hive mind, essentially, to understand what they really expect from you, what they're looking for, what they want, and start to use that to drive more than just marketing performance. It can drive uh, merchandising, store planning, product design, service design, things like that.
0: And part of the problem is that they're conditioned to get an email that has a coupon in it. So if you ask them a literal question like, what do you like about my loyalty program, they will likely give you a very bounded answer. What you really want to understand is where should we go? How do I ask them open-ended questions? How do I get into a broader dialogue with them? That's really the goal
1: stage here. Right. Consumers tell us that they they view loyalty programs as a way to save money because we've trained them to think that. Right. And so not just asking them what they want, but getting more – open-ended with the questioning, potentially using them to create a focus group or a a customer community. So tying this into the
0: voice of the customer type programs as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah.
1: There's a huge opportunity there. Who's doing this well? We've talked about sort of what this could look like in a different state, but can you talk to companies who are doing this well today? So I think we have some great examples of companies that are doing what Rick was talking about, which is they actually care about the customer. Mm -hmm. And that's someone like USAA. They have an affinity group that they're going after, but they do really care about their customers, their financial well-being, their health, their wellness. It's part of their corporate it's part DNA. part of their corporate DNA. Mm-hmm. I would say someone like Amazon also has demonstrated that they are willing to invest in the customer and do right by the customer. Mm-hmm. But Amazon also has a different relationship with the street and its investors than most companies do. Yep.
0: What you mean by that is this idea that the CMO of a retailer is under tactical pressure month over month, so they will move much more towards a transactional-driven approach versus, in the case of Amazon, they're looking at the long view. Here. They're actually saying, I'm going to reshape my relationship with my customers and create greater loyalty over time.
1: Exactly, and someone like Jeff Bezos has laughed in Wall Street's face in some cases. Yeah, most companies don't have the luxury of being an Amazon. Right, Or or an Apple, or a Harley-Davidson, or even a USAA. Um, so of some course of-
2: they don't have the luxury of not being them. Either. Yeah. So
0: executives may think that the loyalty program is doing no harm. It may not be doing strategic good, but it's doing no harm. But the truth is, is that as people start to figure this out, if my competitor moves before me, I can't be the one who's still treating this as a tactical offshoot of the business or thinking of it as as a margin killer to your point, Emily.
1: That's right. So other companies that are doing this well, maybe at a more tactical level, is across the board, I am seeing companies start to embrace experiential benefits as part of their program. So someone like a Nordstrom, who was just in the news because they're actually doing really well with millennials, Mm -hmm. and their program has a lot of benefits that relate to the experience that someone has with a Nordstrom. So things like early access to their Nordstrom anniversary sale, which is sort of a hot topic um things like access to a tailoring budget and and it's all gated off based on your spend so the program is still very spend based but it's very focused on incorporating some experiential benefits you might get a day with a personal shopper things like that focus on making you feel more special right
0: so if i take sort of inventory of this thing there's there's a whole there's a whole part of the conversation that says reduce the noise floor having email be such a strong mechanism, both for the acquisition of customers and loyalty, is actually causing harm. It's just creating a significant noise floor. There's the idea of creating advocates and advisors to your firm because they have something to say and they actually have a vested interest to help. There's the idea, in the case of Nordstroms, in creating new experiences, almost concierge types of experiences. And then earlier, as more more of these experiences go digital using technologies like AI to truly personalize or individualize the things that are coming to Jen versus Emily versus Rick. I mean, this is sort of the short list of things that one has to consider to stay a pace of the market.
1: And there's also a strategic decision that companies need to make about if and what role a program will play. So to, to Rick's point, if if you're creating great customer experiences that correlate to customer loyalty – deciding whether or not you need a loyalty program in place at all. And if you want one, because maybe you want to collect customer insight, rich customer insight, what role is that going to play? So, for example, airlines like JetBlue, they don't benefit from the same lift in CX quality because of the loyalty program, because they demonstrate a commitment to understanding and building a great customer experience for all customers.
0: So we started this conversation with this idea that customers are on the move that they're adventurous, that their tolerance for poor experiences, which might include the emails that they're getting, both from acquisition and loyalty, means that they're going to shift spend faster than ever before. And it's not just millennials, it's millennial behavior being taken by many generations. The idea of a loyalty program was to serve as some sort of Velcro to keep the customers close but they're actually built in the 1980s. They're way aged in the tooth. As an executive looks at their loyalty programs and look at it in concert with customer experience, what does it mean? What, what are the big to-dos that they have on their plate?
2: If you, if you want to succeed in today's business environment, you have to stop thinking about loyalty programs as driving individual transactions. You have to start thinking them as an integrated strategy for a wholesale customer experience transformation. As we said earlier, uh, you can't afford not to think like USAA and Amazon and other customer experience leaders because that's what your competitors are doing, and they're the ones who are going to succeed.
1: So if you continue to treat your program as a transactional give and a get, uh, as a transactional reward, then you will be doing more to erode customer loyalty than to engender it. Thanks, guys, for joining us. We really appreciate the conversation. Thank you.
2: Great conversation. Happy to be here.
1: Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for links and relevant content on today's discussion. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn.